Good morning, how we doing? Good, you know we sung uh, that song, Just As I Am, and uh, Trudy reminded me. Uh, most of you probably have heard that Billy Graham passed away this past week, and, and uh, that song was at the end of most of his crusades. And uh, I read somewhere this past week that he touched 215 million people uh, in the course of his ministry. And so uh, probably one of the greatest evangelists that God has used in our lifetime. Uh, and so just reminded me, or reminded Trudy of that, and she brought that to my attention. I thought it was pretty cool. All right, we are uh, in our seventh uh, message uh, out of 12 on Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. Turn to Matthew chapter uh, 6 as we look at verses 19 through uh, 34 this morning. And a lot of years ago, if you're old like me, you'll remember this. If not, you'll have to YouTube this. But Bobby McFerrin uh, had this huge one-hit wonder uh, way back when called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Right? <laughs> Look at all you. You remember, don't you? Right? The, the, the song caught on because uh, uh, not only because of the catchy tune, but also because it touches a subject that most people at some level we struggle with, right? Worry. And his message was simple, right? Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Here's the deal. In the real world, though, it's not always that simple. Or at least it doesn't seem that simple. Our worries oftentimes consume us. And in the old English language, the word worry came from the root word to choke. And really that makes sense, right? Because worry has this choking quality to it. It saps the life out of us and it drains us of our energy. And the crazy thing about worry is that instead of motivating us to take action, it oftentimes uh, causes us to do nothing with our problems, right? And they just become worse and worse. So, so when it comes to dealing with worry, we need to keep in mind this very simple truth. We don't worry about things we're sure of. Right? You might want to jot that down. We don't worry about things we are sure of. Like, like when you go to bed at night, you're not likely to lie awake and say, oh no, what am I going to do if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow, right? Because we know it will. Well, we don't lie awake thinking, what am I going to do if suddenly we discover that two plus two is no longer four. Like, oh my goodness. Right? We, we don't worry about that kind of stuff. Why? Because that's never going to change, right? Two plus two is always going to be four. We don't worry about things that we're sure of. We only worry about things that we're not sure of. And so for that reason, we different people worry about different things. Some people lay awake at night and wonder if their spouse really loves them. Others don't give it a second thought. 
Some people lay awake wondering if their kids are getting any troubles. Others don't think about that. Some people worry about their health. Others don't. Some people worry about job securities. Others don't. It's a question of what are the things in your life that you are sure of and what are those things that you're not sure of. Here's some good news for you. When your mind and your heart are in tune with God, you never have to worry about anything. Now, it may sound impossible, but it's not according to Jesus. He he says it's as simple as put God first and you can, like, say goodbye to your worries. The last half of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about our attitude about money uh, towards worry and towards God. So in these verses that we're looking at this morning, he shows us what we can do to eliminate a worry from our life. He, he gives us three things. Go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. You can follow along with me. How to eliminate worry. Number one is we rethink uh, your priorities. So verses 19 and 20. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And, And so the issue isn't that earthly Treasures are intrinsically bad, right? The, the issue is, is to lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And, and that is also to kind of doom ourselves to this life of frustration and emptiness. And regarding material things, the secret of happiness is not more. It's what? It's contentment that there was a survey done and they asked people how much money they would have to make to live the American dream. You know what they said? Those who earned like $25,000 a year said they would need to earn around fifty-four. Those that earned $100,000 annual income said that they would need to average to buy the American dream $192,000 a year. And so those figures indicate that, that we typically think that we'd have to double our income in order to find the American dream. I, I think the Apostle Paul had a good idea in 1 Timothy 6.6 6 when he simply said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? The simple truth is, is that if resource and money is our first priority, then you'll never be able to serve God, right? Effectively, because Jesus said in verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. The Greek word for store up and the Greek word for treasure comes from the same root word. And what Jesus is saying in verse 19 is not to treasure your treasures. That's what he's saying. Don't, Don't... Treasure for yourself, treasures on earth. And the idea is, is that earthly treasure is temporary and it's fading away where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, verse 20. But heavenly treasure is what? It is secure. So so he's not saying like we can't put money away. He's saying don't spend your life piling up wealth that you have no intention of using. 
Because our material treasures will not pass from this life to the next. But the good that has been done for the kingdom of God through the use of our treasures lasts for eternity. And the work that God does through us, through faithful giving, will last for an eternity. And then in verse 21, Jesus draws the conclusion that you can only have your treasure and your heart in one place. Right? We can't store up treasures on earth and in heaven at the same time. And so as we rethink our priorities, we might need to remind ourselves that, that there are more important things in life, right? Jesus said, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Well, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. It is not life more than food and body more than clothing. And the point here is that we shouldn't be all tangled up worrying about things of this world. Because our life is, what, more than those things. And so if we do worry about something, it may be because we've, what, put it too high on the priority list. So, so what are the things that you worry about? Do you worry about, like, like what your neighbors think? Or, or do you worry about a, a promotion at work or, or your family or your kid? There are a lot of things that we worry about. Here's what I know. Jesus said the most important thing in life, verse 33, is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says this. And all these things shall be added to you. So so let that be the test when we're in the midst of worry. Let's just ask ourselves the question, am I seeking the kingdom of God first? Or is all of this other stuff on this earth, more worthy than the kingdom of God. Last part of the verse says that all these things will be added to you. So I'm thinking, like, what things? If it's all about this life, it's all about what we have on this earth, then go ahead and enjoy. Those are the things, right? But, but what I think Jesus is driving at here is that he is promising us what? Heavenly treasure, right? Rest in divine provision. Uh, fulfillment of God's highest purpose for man. Fellowship with him and being a part of his kingdom. So, so remember that this is a choice that we all have made when we become a, a Christian, right? When we follow Christ. Either we reinforce that decision or we deny that decision probably every day of our lives. And if we really want to experience freedom from worry, we need to make sure of one thing. God has to be in first place uh, in our lives. We need to seek him. We need to strive to be holy. We need to rethink, if necessary, our priorities. So, So as we rethink our priorities, the next step... And number two is to trust in God's provision. You know, when my kids were little and they were living at home, that they would worry from time to time about grades or something that had to do with their friends or, or whatever. Now, now, I realize this isn't true for, for everyone, but my kids, I don't think they ever had to worry about whether or not they'd have a place to live or, or food to eat. They just didn't think about those things, right? It never crossed their minds. 
that they were absolutely sure that their mother and I were going to provide those things for them. So when they worried, they worried about things that were like beyond my control. When we worry as adults, we worry about things that we think are beyond God's control. Here's the key difference. Like I would do anything for my kids except for I'm not omnipotent. God, on the other hand, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is committed to making things work out for good in our lives. And when we worry about things that we're unsure of, and if we're unsure of God's willingness to provide, then then I guess we have a lot to, to worry about. On the other hand, if we trust God just to take care of us, our worries should be what? They should be few. He said this in Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They, they, they neither sow, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And then he goes on, verses 28 and 29. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. That they neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then verses 31, 32, therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek uh, after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And, And here's my point. My point is to say that Jesus makes it clear that God will meet our needs, right? He takes care of us. Are you worried about your marriage? He will take care of you. Does that mean that we're never going to have any kind of marital problems? No. Right? But but God is in the midst of our marriages. Are you worried about your kids? God will take care of that. It says if we ask, the book of James tells us God will give us wisdom Right, which includes wisdom to parent our kids. He will give us the strength to be consistent. Right? Does that mean our kids will never make dumb decisions? No, I'll tell you that. Right? But but no matter what decisions they make, God is there, and if we allow Him to care for us, are you worried about your health? God will take care of. Does that mean that you are going to live to 150 and never have a sick day or disease in your life? No. Right? But no matter what happens, what? God takes care of us. Let me give you just a couple of personal stories about God's provision. Just just things that I personally have experienced through my life as being a believer. We first were in the ministry in Everett, uh, Washington, and uh, didn't get paid a lot there, and we were just getting started, and sat down and did our monthly thing or bi-weekly or whatever we did and, and realized that we, we didn't really have enough for food. So just said, you know what? We're just going to trust God. Don't know what's going to happen. Didn't tell anybody about this. Just said, we're going to trust God. And so we get down and, and cupboards are like bare, right? We're like, okay, God, this will be fun. Let's just see what God's going to do. So, so one afternoon on a, I think it was a Saturday, this van comes rolling up uh, to our street, stops in front of our house. Lady gets out. She was our junior high Sunday school teacher. 
older lady. I thought she was older at the time. She was like in her 60s. Now she's really young, right? <laughs> Single lady, never been married, junior high Sunday school teacher, rolls up, opens up the back of her van, starts carting in boxes of food from Costco. Like, Miss Pat, what are you doing? Oh, I was at Costco, and God put it on my heart that you guys needed this. God's provision. And not only did she just buy food, like she knew what our kids like liked. She's carting in box after box. And I thought, God's provision. Zen High School went to a Sonic game back when Seattle actually had a basketball team. Right. Game got done. It's about 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Me and my friend were in my car. We're kind of rolling across 520 Bridge, run out of gas. Great. 11 o'clock at night, you're 17 on 520 Bridge, run out of gas. Then we notice something water starting to pour in over the bridge onto the roadway. We thought, great, that's strike number two. Here we sit. Then we notice the third thing. The third thing was nobody's passing us on the road anymore. Like they shut down the bridge. Here we are in the middle of the bridge, no gas, water pouring over, and nobody to be seen. We're like, sweet. This will be great. So I look at my friend. Hey, maybe we should pray. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So we prayed, and, and we're sitting there, and I kid you not, not, not five minutes later, this cop comes rolling up right behind us. They always carry gas with them. They put gas in, into my car, and then they escort us off the bridge. We got off the bridge to a gas station, filled up, and looked at each other and just went, man, God's provision, right? God's provision. Both of those examples are how God provides. The truth of the matter is I could go on and on and tell other stories of how God has provided in my life over the years. And guess what? You can do the same thing. And if you told your stories of how God has provided in your life, there would be hundreds and hundreds of stories of how God has provided for each and every one of us. And God has provided in so many different ways at so many different times. And we need to learn to what? To trust in his provision. I love the way the NLT translates verses 32 and 33. It says this, But these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry. Instead, let's rethink our priorities. Trust in God's provision. And there's a third key. The third key is to live in the present. One of the mottos of Alcoholics Anonymous is to live one day at a time. One of the mottos in our household, especially since Trudy's been diagnosed with CLL, is every day is a good day. That's just what we say. right? Every day is a good day. Both of those models are good for dealing with worry because it's exactly what Jesus said to do. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Ever know somebody that just like worries about everything, whether it's small or big? They're just in a constant state of worry. Ever know somebody that's worried about something for like 25 years? Right? They just worry, 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 worry. Well, what I've learned over the years is that worry falls into two categories, what we can change and what we can't change. So instead of worrying about what we can change, we should just, what, take action and make some changes. Instead of worrying about what we can't change, what we need to do is take action and be as prepared as possible. But, but that's the whole problem with worry. It rarely motivates us to take positive action. Rather, most of the time, it drives us to what? Inaction. And, and we worry instead of doing something about the problem. And we do that because we have a tendency to live in the future, and we can never be sure of the future. So, so we worry about it. Because we worry about what? What we are unsure of. But Jesus said this, don't think about the first year, think about today. Take care of today's trouble today. Now, now Jesus isn't recommending like an irresponsible approach to life here, right? He's not saying that we shouldn't make plans for tomorrow or prepare for life certainties. But he is saying, let's not obsess about tomorrow at the expense of today, right? Live in the present. So how you do that is by making today a day of progress, right? We improve what we can improve on today. And so if you're worried about something, then you can change and make some progress today towards changing that. If you're worried about something that you can't change, then make some progress today in preparing for that. We can't control the future because it doesn't what? Yet exist. Today, however, does exist. So do what you can to make it worthwhile. In the intro, I mentioned this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Pretty simplistic message, and it may sound a bit shallow, but really, it's not, especially the first part, don't worry, is not bad advice. It's what Jesus tells us to do, right? Don't worry, don't be anxious, don't forget when we worry we really need to ask ourselves this question when when you start to worry just ask yourself what am i unsure of are my priorities straight am i trusting god to provide am i living in the present and if we do those things and and that leads us to putting god first in our lives then then jesus told us to do this seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things shall be added to us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. So, so, Father, there's many people here today and we all have different things that are on our hearts and our minds and thing, things that we're concerned about and worried about. So, Father, my prayer uh, today is that we would cast all of these things at, at your feet, that we would put you first place in our lives and that we would trust in you. And I don't say that flippantly this morning because there are things in our lives, God, that we worry about that are 
heavy, heavy burdens. Things that are happening around us that are significant. But I do know one thing. I do know when we seek you first that you will care for us. It might not be the way we think, but you do care for us. And for that this morning, we are truly grateful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.